an urgency to share a warning that is clearly spelled out for us in the Gospels by Jesus. The title of my message is God Wants Us, He Is For Us. So I invite Bex now to come and read for us from Matthew chapter 24 verses 1 to 14. Thanks Bex. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. My gosh, that is such a sobering thought, isn't it? Can I say before I get into my message, if you have given into wickedness, don't let it turn you away from the love of God. Repent and run toward him. Repent and run toward him because this is the problem. This is the warning. People are being dragged into wickedness and their love is growing cold. So just it's very simple. You repent. You tell him, if this is how you feel, of course, because he will know if you're just lying. Repent, tell him. I am so sorry I gave in to that temptation and I ask your forgiveness and Holy Spirit, I ask for your strength to enable me to avoid this temptation in the future. Lord, unworthy as I feel, I come into your presence knowing that you love me. 
I mean, it's as simple as that, people. It's as simple as that. <coughs> so because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. I've pondered on this verse, and especially the word wickedness. The dictionary describes wickedness as that which is evil or morally wrong. Some versions translation translate with, uh, wickedness for lawlessness. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of wickedness and what wickedness is, I think of like really, really, really bad stuff. And I think that's where we get misled into paying, not paying attention to the day-to-day, not so obviously wicked things that cause our love for the Lord to go off the simmer. How do we view laziness, greed, arrogance, taking offence when none was intended, holding on to unforgiveness? These may not be lawless, but they still come under wickedness because they are things that the Lord tells us we are not to get involved in. Reading your horoscopes, it's just a bit of fun, I don't really believe it anyway. Well, why read it in the first place if you don't really believe it? These, you see, if you've got the view that wickedness is something really, really bad, you miss, you miss these things that are constantly dragging and tempting us to draw away from God. In Song of Solomon's um, chapter 2, verse 15, we read that it's the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. It's the little things nipping away that ruin our vineyard, our fruitfulness, our love for the Lord. Don't let the little things take over and ruin the big, which is the knowledge and understanding of the love of God. Don't let the little things diminish your anointing, diminish that oil, diminish that wine that flows in and through us by the Holy Spirit. Don't let the little things stop your heart connecting with his heart. Don't try and analyse it. Don't work out and try, oh, now what happened? What happened? Don't do that. If Holy Spirit needs you to know, he'll tell you. So what do we do? Well, 2 Timothy 2.22 has the answer. Flee the evil desires and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So we are fleeing the evil and we are pursuing righteousness. Church, don't give in to your evil desires, whatever they are. Flee from them. You know, I love the picture that the word flee brings up. It's not walk away from them. It's not turn your back on them. It's not even run for your life, but flee, escape. You know, I just have this picture of us racing off, coat flying out behind us, fleeing the evil. Flee it, God says. Don't just, he doesn't say, oh, just walk away from that. Don't look at it. He says, flee it. 
Oh, I love that word. Everybody say, turn to your neighbour and say, flee from sin. Flee. Oh, and here comes the little spirit of superfluity of naughtiness. The wicked flee. F-L-E. Oh, you could do a kid's story. Escape. Flee means escape. It's like a raging bull is after you. Take off. Get out of there. Whatever it is that is ruining or trying to ruin your close heart-on-heart relationship with the Lord, flee from it. Put it away from you. Get it out of your home. Please, 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 church, take Paul's advice and keep loving God as your main focus so you never lose it. So it never dwindles and gets lost, not only in wickedness, but also in busyness. Nowhere have I read in the Bible where it says, stand and face up to temptation by praying in tongues. No, no, no. The Bible doesn't say you just stand in tongues and avoid the temptation and you'll be... um, that's your sin, you will be praying in tongues all the way to the bedroom. doesn't say to stand and pray in tongues. It says flee, flee. There is a place for taking a stand and there is a place for fleeing. Get your mind away from that place of wickedness. Flee from that computer that tempts. Not only porn, but all the lusts of the eye, excessive shopping, demonic games. What are you reading on social media? Get away from that stuff. Not all social media is bad, sorry. I'm just saying the bad stuff. I get some really foul stuff come up as pop-ups with my um, Facebook account. Flee from that horrible stuff. Turn your back on evil and flee. Not into oblivion but into the one who holds you safe, Jesus. Flee into his open arms. Flee to him. Flee to the righteous. Flee to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Tell them what you are fleeing from and ask them to stand with you and help and support you. You know, God's been calling us to go deeper with him. Remember the picture I had of the well and the fountain? Flee to that place of love, nurture, peace, anointing. That which we flee to is better than that which we are fleeing from. You know, because it's hard to let go sometimes. It's hard to let go of, if you are a gossiper, It's hard to let go of gossip. You want to be in with the news. You want to be in with the news. Flee from that desire. You see, it's not just the big things. It's the little foxes nipping away at our love relationship with the Lord. Flee from watching TV programs that fill your heart and your head with utter dark garbage. You know, <clears throat> I think I told you I had a TV program recommended to me. Actually, it was recommended by my daughter. She says, oh, Mum, I've seen this advertised. I think you'll really love it. Actually, it's a movie on, it's a series on Netflix. So I started to watch it. 
about a week later, I got a phone call. Mum, you know that program I recommended to you? Are you watching that? I said, hmm, not anymore. She says, yeah, we just sat down to watch it. It's really not your cup of tea, is it? We've turned it off. It's like, you know, it was a beautiful program. It was a love story. But I would have not allowed that couple, if they were guests in my room, to be doing what they were doing on that TV. Because there is a glass screen between you and what is going on, it does not make it right. And no, I'm not going to tell you what the program was because those of you with Netflix will want to go and check it out. <coughs> and if you have checked it out and you know exactly what I'm talking about, you might want to repent. Oh, my poor daughter. I did that to my mother once recommended she watch something and then after I'd watched it it started to watch it furiously had to get on the phone and say cancel that recommendation oh now after that I don't know where I'm up to yeah oh right so yeah the temptation to watch it and see who ended up with who was pretty strong to be honest because it's a love story this stuff's not really affecting me Mm, there goes a lie right there. I don't care who ended up with who. They were only actors anyway. Cut the cords of that temptation and spend your time with Jesus. I sense the Lord wants this warning brought to our attention so that we don't fall into the trap and our love starts to cool. I don't think there can be any doubt in anyone's mind that lawlessness, wickedness is on the increase. So prevalent out there. Society no longer has a moral standard. You know, at the risk of sounding like an old person, when I was a young girl, <laughs> you know, seriously, society set standards that were acceptable and which weren't. But now society doesn't. It's whatever. You want to do it, do it. It's fine. Go for it. We are in a moral blank canvas stage. Well, the world is. We are not. Those of us who are believers know where the boundaries lie. <coughs> I shudder to think how bad this lawlessness is going to get before the Father says enough and sends Jesus back to us to save us. How bad is the world going to get? A lot worse than it is now. We need to be discerning and alert that we don't get dragged into the world's moral standards, which don't exist, and caught up in the wickedness that is out there. There are many, many scriptures that warn us about this and I don't want us to be complacent and think that we are okay. I would never slip. I love the Lord so much that doesn't apply to me. I think the letter to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2 makes very sad and very scary reading. Turn there with me, Revelation chapter 2. 
to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, this is Jesus, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. You have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. But flick to verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. All these good things that they have been doing. But God says, you have forsaken your first love. I wonder what was so special about their first love and how they didn't recognise that they were losing it and then that they had lost it. I think it's a warning for us to be attentive to remaining in love with Jesus. What was your first love with Jesus like? I want you to think about that for a moment. And I know, even as I ask that question, that there are probably people in the room who have not truly experienced that love, that first love for the Lord. I was one of those people. I came to the Lord because I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't know he loved me. I just knew... Please remember I came to the Lord. This is before I was discipled. This is before I knew anything. I came to the Lord because I knew there was a heaven and I knew there was a hell and I didn't want to go to hell. I was such a broken person, such a rejected person. It never entered my head that God could love me. It never entered my head that he loved me. That's why he had people share his love with me. So I know that even people who have walked many, many years with the Lord have not experienced that first love. And if that's you, then all you need to do is say, Holy Spirit, would you bring this into my life? Because that's what I did. That's where I had to start when I realised that there was a God who loved me. I realised it here. I did not know it here. And and so I would start to declare every day, God loves me. God loves me. It was a declaration. It wasn't a truth. It's a truth now. But the Holy Spirit had to take it from here to here. Church, he loves you. He loves you. Open yourself up to receive that love. And once you've received it, don't lose it. Hold on to it. 
God's desire is for us to know that love. If, on the other hand, you know you have lost that first love that you once knew, or if you have allowed it to diminish, then all you need to do is repent and ask Holy Holy Spirit to restore it to you. God wants you back in his company. He loves you. He hasn't given up on you. He is wooing you. The fact that you are here this morning hearing this message, he is wooing you. He's saying, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. (coughs) Because, you know, this is the thing that makes the letter to the Ephesians so sad to me. Because Paul's letter to the Ephesians was full of love. Paul prayed for them to have it, to know it, and to move in it. And yet just a few years later, Jesus said he was holding their turning away from it against them. How sad is that? They must have been a church that knew, lived in, experienced, and shared the love of God, and they had let it slip. We don't like being confronted with scriptures like this outside of Calvary, do we? You know, we're all God's good, God's full of grace. But you know what? I thank God for them because they warn us. They keep us on track. If the Ephesians could lose their first love, if they could fall away, then we better believe it's possible for us to do the same. Thank you, Jesus, for the warning so we can be be watchful. Because Jesus knows how vulnerable we are. He doesn't have these scriptures in here to condemn us. He has these scriptures in there to warn us, to keep us tight, to keep us within the knowledge and understanding of how much he loves us. And I'm not sure we are truly fully aware of how damaging some of the things we dabble around the edges of how damaging, how scary they are for our walk with the Lord. Wickedness so abounds today, it's taken society so far from knowledge of God because at its greatest, wickedness is so, so bad. I think for some of us, the minor levels of wickedness are active in some of our lives and we don't recognise that they are. The wickedness of the lies that the enemy feeds to us, the wickedness of what we are tempted to participate in, the wickedness that is all around us, it just gradually seeps into our lives. Church, I invite you to invite the Holy Spirit in and ask him to show you if there are areas in your life where you are vulnerable. And if you are, don't go into a funk about it. Just repent 
and run back into the Lord. He's waiting. He hasn't brought this warning to us to say, ha, now you know what I think of you. Get, get away from me. No, no, he's saying, I am warning you because I love you and you are vulnerable and I don't want to lose any of you. I don't want any of you to lose what you have. So church, I prayed before the um, service that this is how this message would be received this morning, that no one's sitting here coming under condemnation. No one's feeling beaten up this morning. This is a warning, God's heart to our heart. I thank him for bringing this to our attention this morning. I thank him from my heart because he cares enough for me to not let me slip into these areas. Please remember, we don't live this life of loving God in our own strength. We have the Holy Spirit. He is our enabler. We don't do any of this in our own strength. He is here working within each of us, making us more like Jesus and revealing Jesus to us and helping us to fall deeper and deeper in love with him each day. Listen to him and learn from him and you will be okay. This is only a really short message for me this morning. I don't feel I need to expand it out any further. The warning from God's heart to our heart is very clear and I am very grateful for it. So church, brothers and sisters, people I love here in this place, please, please, please hold tightly to the love that God has for you and don't let the love that you have for him be replaced by anything. Keep it utmost. Keep it first in your life. And if we need proof of how much God loves us, it's here in these emblems we take each week. The part of our service that we call communion that reminds us of Jesus' death and resurrection so that... His death and resurrection so that we have life and life in abundance. (coughs) On the night before he died, Jesus took bread and he said, this represents my body broken for you that your bodies may be made whole. And then he took the cup This cup represents his blood that was shed for us, that our sins would be taken from us to be remembered no more, that we would stand righteous before God because of the righteousness of Jesus shed in his blood. God loved us so much he didn't want heaven without us, and so he sent us Jesus who lived among us and died for us. And one day he is coming back to take us to be with him. Father God, I thank you for sending us Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for coming. Holy Spirit, I thank you for staying. Lord, I thank you for this word this morning. I thank you for the warning 
I ask that you would seal it into each and every one of our hearts, that we would not be drawn away from you, but we would be ones that will stand to the very end. I bind up every attempt by the enemy to draw us into wickedness and I rebuke it off our lives in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. If you're struggling in an area of wickedness that you can't free yourself from, please come and have prayer with our prayer team this morning. There's no condemnation in our heart for you because none of us here is worthy to cast a stone at anybody else. Not one of us stands here so clean. We don't need the blood of Jesus. Each and every one of us needs the blood of Jesus daily. And so I invite you, don't let shame or fear stop you from coming forward and receiving prayer this morning because we care for you and so does the Lord. Amen.